Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. As I speak, it's Wednesday. But as you're listening to this, it's Saturday or Sunday or Monday because... Or it could even be Halloween. could be Halloween in the year... 2020, 2025. Ooh. Ooh, that's some trippy stuff. Anyway, it's bonus time. And in the studio with us, Mike Flannery, ace political editor from Channel 32, been covering politics in the city of Chicago since like forever. So we're going to be talking with Mike Flannery. Uh, last bonus was Dave McKinney, uh, the intrepid investigative reporter for WBEZ. He's in the news again today with his latest uh, story about uh, Governor Pritzker and Toilet Gate. Uh, my current guest, I mentioned that because I'm going to ask uh, our current guest his thoughts on that. I'm going to ask him his thoughts on everything. Really pleased to have Mike Flannery from Channel 32, political editor from Channel 32. He's the host of the uh, Flann- Flannery Fire. I've been a guest on this show. And you he's have. yelled at me. And anyway, <laughs> Mike Flannery, the tables are turned. Now you're a guest on my show. Thanks so much for coming here. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, speaking of Toilet Gate, should we start right there? All right. Well, I, mean, I was going to ask you. But yeah, Toilet Gate. Uh, no, let's hold off on okay. Toilet Gate for the moment. Toilet Gate, of course, is the, the trouble that J.B. Pritzker is in right now uh, because... <laughs> It is still haunting him. He uh, had he pulled the toilets out of his Gold Coast mansion, got his property taxes lowered. I was outraged by it in 2018, Mike. I learned to move on, but apparently <laughs> the rest of the country has not moved on uh, completely. All right. The reason why I say hold off on Toilet Gate uh, for the moment is I just want to take the opportunity to sort of introduce yourself. Everybody knows Mike Flannery on TV, but uh, how did you arrive at this position? You, I when, when we started, I thought, I thought you were from Chicago, but you're not from Chicago. No, I grew up in Washington, D.C., uh, over near Catholic University in Northeast D.C., uh, and uh, out in uh, Prince George's County, Maryland, uh, uh, on 43rd Street. Um, and I went to uh, went to uh, uh, Holy Comforter on East Capitol Street, uh, about uh, 20 blocks from the U.S. Capitol. Uh, and then I went to high school on North Capitol Street, um, at Archbishop Carroll High School. Michael Steele, the former Republican national chairman, graduated a few years after I did. Uh, and uh, then I went to Georgetown. I got a free ride to Georgetown. And um, for that matter, to my high school, uh, my dad uh, lived, he was a Purple Heart veteran of World War II. It was on Guam. They didn't patch him up quite right. I'm sure today he would have lived to be uh, to a ripe old age. He died uh, right after five days after his 43rd birthday. Lived long mm. enough to have the five kids. And, uh, and so your uh, mom uh, raised five kids. She did. She. I'll tell you. She's the one you should interview. If only she were still here. <laughs> yeah. uh, she would go to work. She was a nurse. She'd uh, put us to bed. Go to work at 11 p.m. Wouldn't take lunch. Get off at 6:30 a.m. Uh, she didn't drive. She'd hop on the DC transit bus. 
as it was called back then. It's the Metro today. And uh, she'd come wake us up, send us off to school, and try to get some sleep. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, I... Uh, I was editor of my school paper at Georgetown. Uh, I got the bug there, and I was uh, I was hired. The Sun Times. This, uh, of course, is uh, a, new, are, a new location yes. for it. But um, they were on a hire the college editor kick, and they hired uh, half a dozen college editors, and uh, I was one of them. What, what year was this? Nineteen seventy-three. Good. God. I started Watergate. Yeah, I started June eighteenth, nineteen seventy-three, and uh, Watergate was uh, hadn't yet fully matured, but it was it was. Uh, Growing, the the roar was growing, and um, and I ended up uh, Joel Weissman, who was the journalist. He he was the Metro editor of the Sun Times, and in August of '74, he sent me to City Hall to help Harry Golden Jr., yeah. the guy after whom the City Hall press room is named. Yeah, a legend. Uh, he he was he, he reminded me of Nathan Detroit in yeah. Guys and Dolls. <laughs> Harry dressed yeah. like that, had that Second Avenue New York accent. Uh, his dad had been Harry Golden, who was editor of the Carolina Israelite. Right. And uh, Harry edited uh, those columns into a book, mm-hmm. Only in America, that was on the New York Times bestseller list for 14 months. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I was Harry's understudy and covered Richard J. Daly's last campaign in 1975, 74 and 75, so when you were Billy a kid, ran against him. You were a kid uh, in uh, uh, in Washington, D.C. You were born in, that's where you were raised. You came to Chicago, a baby in the woods 1973 you're covering richard j daly's campaign you're right billy singer ran against him former alderman of the 44th ward or the 43rd ward uh so try to give folks a sense of what richard j daly's administration a lot of younger they hear about the machine mike flannery but they don't really know what the machine is try to give folks a sense of what the daily the real daily machine was like yeah, well, it was, uh, Harry Golden used to say it was like covering the Kremlin. He would, Mike, <laughs> he had that gravelly voice, all those, uh, all that tobacco and all that early times that he had <laughs> had, uh, had given his vocal cords a distinctive uh, uh, sound. And he'd go, Mike, it's going to be like covering the Kremlin. And you'd, he, he, he told me, he taught me how to cultivate sources, uh, how to work around obstacles to information. This was long before any Freedom of Information Act was ever uh, was ever passed, uh, as much as that's observed in the breach these days. Um, so uh, yeah, it 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 was. Uh, I, I was addicted. I I got down there and I I thought, wow, this Chicago, this is a ton of fun. I mean, I've had uh, I've had job offers in New York and Washington, and I just. I really love Chicago. Well, I cultivating really do. It's a great city. How do you how do you cultivate sources in City Hall? Well, it's it's always a trade off, right? Uh, and um, and it's easier to do, I think, as a print reporter because you can segregate things out. You know, people people want to get their message out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can separate stories from. You know, it, it's 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 I think easier to do in print, and uh, some of the micro minutia that sources want to put out there, you can. It, it's easier to get it into the newspaper than to get it on TV. Um, but you uh, socialize, you you know, get to know get to know people, um, and 
I think what I've decided to do, especially in the last decade, uh, you know, it's more important to be an honest broker of information, which is what I try to be. Um, you know, it, it, there are things where I have it. I do have it, a, a point of view, um, and you know that uh, that it's probably you know plain to see. But for the most part, I try to acknowledge and be aware that there's often more than two sides. Mm-hmm. There's not just two sides to many stories. There are multiple sides, especially in a place as complicated and as diverse as Chicago with as many contending interests Mm -hmm. and as many well-organized interests. Uh, And the challenge is often to kind of dig out um, the points of view that aren't always represented. You know, so, uh, you know, there are times when I think I do a better job of that than others. Well, when you came in uh, to Chicago, again, I'm going to take you back in time. It's 1973, 74. Richard J. Daly is running the show. And when I talk about cultivating sources, it seems like the all-powerful daily machine, there would be very few people who would be willing uh, to go on the record critical of him. So how did you operate in that s- situation? Well, remember, this this was, uh, th- this was still the 60s. I mean, 1973, in some ways, was still the 60s. There were members of the city council like Len Prey and Dick Simpson. It wasn't hard to find people who were critical. There was Harold Washington and Dick Newhouse. Um, there, there were elected officials who were vociferous. <laughs> and and yeah. they, they, they were attacking Richard Jay every day. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and remember, at the national level, so as much as I, I remember watching the spectacle in, in, in the presidential campaign in 1976, of course, Daley died that, that December, yeah, that's correct. December 20th or 21st uh, of uh, 1976, um, and uh, watching the, the would-be presidents pay homage. They, they would arrive uh, on the fifth floor of City Hall, step off that elevator and bend the knee yeah. and, uh, and ask for the support. Um, you know, but then, you know, there were guys, remember Abe Ribicoff had, had denounced him yeah. to his face on the floor of the yeah. convention in 68. So, so there were national Dems. Well, I'm were. talking about the people within the machine themselves who had so oh, much power, God. so much control. Right. Like, like let's, for instance, like if you're trying to get information about a budget out uh, and you need, Linda Prey is on the outs, does, cannot give you that inside information. So you need someone on the inside, but people on the inside may be afraid to give this kid Flannery from the Sun-Times the goods because they don't want to get in trouble with the old man. So how did you get control the information out of that? Because there were insider aldermen who uh, who knew pieces of the budget. Uh, and uh, Harry, Harry Golden Jr. used to uh, do, he, he worked on the budget all year long mm-hmm. and he would cover every department and he'd get the number. The department heads would go in and say, well, Mr. Mayor, here's what I think we need, uh, $100 million. And uh, he would say, well, I wish I could give it to you, or his budget people would say that. Uh, and uh, But it's gonna be $93 million. So Harry'd write that. <laughs> and yeah. then at the end of the year, he'd have every, yeah. every department, and he would say, Mayor Richard J. Daly is expected to unveil a budget of one, at least $1.9 And because he had covered every department, including animal control, he'd be almost right on the penny. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 he worked it. He had it down to a science. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there were members of the city council 
in some of the key committees who also had insight to this. There were the, you know, the police and fire uh, uh, committee. They, they, they knew what the budget numbers were going to be there. They knew what initiatives were going to be undertaken, um, you know. And, and did you ever have any uh, personal experiences with Richard J. Daly? Did you ever have any moments where you had to ask him a question or confront him or anything? Or were you too junior, too down the, the No, I, you know, I mean, I, I would be at news conferences or I'd be in the hallway and, and holler out. So I'll tell you. Uh, so his floor leader, Tom Keene, oh, gets indicted. Yeah. And um, by the by the feds, uh, and he ended up going to prison. He mm-hmm. ended up getting convicted, although that key pieces of that conviction, if not all of it, ended up being overturned after he got out of after prison. After he got out of jail. I mean. But um, we learned that he was going to uh, go to, uh, he was going to be at a funeral home up in the old 31st Ward, where the boundaries were somewhat different than they are today. It was on that near Northwest side, becoming increasingly Hispanic, but still heavily uh, ethnic, mm-hmm. white ethnic, white ethnic, as we said yeah, back Humboldt in the Park day. Area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so... I'm still the junior reporter. Nobody knows me. I just get in line with the other mourners, and Keen's next to the casket. So I go up. When it's my turn, I say, Alderman, Mike Flannery, Sun-Times, we're looking for a reaction, sir, from you on your indictment today. He, he, his face <laughs> flashes this rage, yeah. and he had this big, I think, eight-foot-tall, 400-pound uh, cop who was his bodyguard, <laughs> Uh, and he was this short little guy. Yeah. He was probably a foot shorter than I. And I got my pen and my notebook poised to get his reaction. He doesn't say anything. Instead, he just reaches out and pushes me. <laughs> I was so surprised. I go sprawling. It, this is all in front of the casket. <laughs> and then, and then his uh, bodyguard picks me up and literally tosses me out. <laughs> So how does that get translated to the article? He had no comment? He had no comment, <laughs> yes. He had yes. no comment. At, uh, you know, at a uh, at a funeral home across from St. Adalbert's, uh, he had no comment. Uh, and now Tom Keene, let's talk about that a little bit. Tom Keene, of course, was this legendary figure in Mayor Richard J. Daly's uh, city council. Uh, the story, as told in Mike Royko's uh, book, Boss, is that Daly got the power and Keene got the money. That Keene uh, uh, used his mastery, his control, the finance committee. Uh, somehow or other, he got wealthy. Uh, uh, and he went to jail, but he still got wealthy. The, there are parallels to this day, Mike Flannery. When I view uh, powerful Mayor Rahm or a powerful Richard M. Daly and Ed Burke running the finance committee, Ed Burke wrote with the property tax business. Well, Ed, Burke Ed Burke was there under Richard J. Ed Burke was a baby alderman back in those days. When yeah. you were a baby reporter, Ed Burke was a baby alderman. His his dad, uh, Alderman Joe, yeah. had passed away, and uh, they had given it. Uh, the precinct captains gave it to Eddie. So these trends, these themes seem to reoccur in Chicago politics. You know, the all-powerful political mayor who's not that interested in making a fortune out of his office. And then, you know, the lieutenant who's running the finance committee. Seems like this trend continues in the city of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Now, here, here's something, too, that, uh, that I, I want to get into um, in my memoirs. But I'm going to tell you, the, the reporting class... Uh, the ranks have been vastly depleted, but it really was the case that there were uh, captives, that the, the, the uh, 
too many reporters were captives of the beats they covered. What do you mean by and that? And the people on the beats they covered. Uh, that, that they identified, I'll tell you, down, in, uh, down at the police headquarters, used to be 1121 South State. Mm-hmm. That was one of the first things that I was sent to sub for um, during vacations in that summer of 73, right after I started. And I was working from 8.30 p.m. to 4.30 a.m. I had the overnight. Um, the the racial racial epithets that would be casually tossed around. Cops would come in to talk to reporters and both both groups would be using uh, racial epithets for African-Americans and Hispanics. And I mean, we've we've lost touch maybe with, uh, but also with uh, racial epithets for Ethnic groups for white ethnic groups, yes. uh, for Greeks and and Polish people and Italians, um, you know, and uh, and Eastern Europeans. I mean, it was just that kind of casual thing. Mm-hmm. You see it in some of the old World War II movies, uh, and you know, you'd. Uh, but it was all just in the atmosphere, yeah. and um, and and there was. Uh, there so was, people were not challenged to sort of the conventions uh, that dictated and controlled Chicago. They were reporters, they, and they overlooked it. They protected their sources. They were like, can you imagine if if you're a reporter city uh, and you hear a, a cop uh, you know, release a, a string of invectives against black people or Hispanics or Jews or what have you, uh, sitting on that information today? The pressure today would be to go public with it. Yeah, yeah, and and then there was another thing that went on too. There, there was the uh, tradition of the Christmas gifts. Talk about that. That um, I mean, there there was one guy in the city hall press room who had a shopping cart, and aldermen and city officials would come in and deposit. <laughs> Bottles of alcohol okay. <laughs> and and other Christmas gifts. Yeah, and you know, to his great credit, Harry Golden Jr. just wouldn't put up with that. Hey, he 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 just saw. So that what would the guy who took the practice. who took the bottles? What would what would his payback be? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there were and there were rumors. I I, I don't know. There were rumors that uh, some of these guys um, occasionally got. Tips, checks, cash from real estate interests, you know, uh, that, that, that was all part, that was all part and parcel for some, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let's well, maybe a couple guys. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there were four daily newspapers and five if you, uh, that, and, and we should count the defender. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, really six, if you count the Polish daily Zagoda mm-hmm. that, that, frequently had a reporter uh, there. Um, plus there were the radio guys, um, Bill Cameron, Bob Crawford, um, you know, and it, I'll just tell you, the, um, the reporting biz is a lot cleaner today than it used to be. And uh, everybody talks about, was it, what was the name of the uh, Trib reporter who was on the payroll back in the 30s of the Capone gang and double-crossed him somehow. And oh, yeah. he got assassinated mm-hmm. uh, going to the train downtown. Yeah. Um, and and the Tribune was outraged about it until they investigated <laughs> it and discovered, uh, ooh, maybe he had it coming. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that, that, that is a lot cleaner today. All right. Now, so you made the transition from uh, newspapers to TV. Talk about that. Yeah, boy, that was... 
that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I had no, um, I, I didn't know which end of the microphone to talk into. And I'd been on Channel 11 uh, frequently as a guest. And the, unbeknownst to me, the bosses at Channel 2 were looking for somebody new to do politics. And so they, they offered me a $10,000 raise, uh, 10000 $10, bucks more than I was making at the Sun-Times. And I said, well... That's pretty good. They offered me 38. I was making with with overtime and weekend work. I was making 28. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I said, uh, uh, okay. And the uh, and the Sun Times. Uh, Ralph Otwell was the editor then. He said, hey, if you ever want to come back, the door's open. I, I should probably go check and see. Is the door still open for me here? <laughs> I don't know, but I had to, I had to let you in. So uh, <laughs> if you have this badge, the door is open. I don't think there's anybody in this building who was in the building back in nineteen. 19- not anymore. Yeah. Oh no, um, no, Albert no, Dickens, not, my good uh, friend Albert Dickens. I don't know if you know him. He at the time. No, he was with the Daily. Fran News Spielman the, was in the city Fran hall Spielman, press room with yeah. me. She was working for WIND Radio. Yeah, exactly. She was uh, not so with Franny and I. Uh, we're there in the last days of uh, Old Man Daly, and we've, uh, you know, we've been all these mayors, all since. these mayors through all these mayors. All know? right, so you're on TV now in 1983. Uh, Harold Washington is elected. The city, there's tumult in the city. Council wars breaks out. As a reporter, a TV reporter, where the whole city is watching you. The north side, the white part of the city, the south side, black side of the city. How do you keep your stay out of that warfare, if, if you, if I will, just yeah, boil it, it down to that? It was How hard, do do that? and and it was uh, in the end, it, you know, uh, well, here I, I had the uh, the. I had sort of a political vertigo or ethnic vertigo. Um, I remember there was one night where, or one day. And I was working 12 and 14 hour days during that campaign. And people have said, oh, isn't this Trump, th- isn't the era of Trump as the craziest you've ever seen? I said, absolutely not. Doesn't even hold a candle to the Harold Washington, Bernie Epton thing. Yeah, um, 1983. Th- th- that, was the, that was the wildest, most um, out of control contest I ever endured, whether it was up at St. Pascal's where where those people were hurling the racial invective at um, at uh, yeah. Harold Washington who'd visit, you know, was paying a visit. You were there? You were there that side. Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, um, well, so this one day um, I went down to that Serbian parish hall uh, down in the 10th Ward, right behind where Eddie Verdoliak had his place on Avenue J. Mm-hmm. It was uh, just a few doors it was back and down a few doors um, in that uh, in that Serbian parish hall, and uh, I walk in there and people come up at me and my camera guy and they go, "Flannery, you dirty end lover, you go f yourself. You can just, you know, oh, I've had it with you and all your bull bleep." <laughs> all right, sir. Thank you very much, and you, sir, too. Thank you very much. Well, we go about 60 blocks north up to um, 48th Street, uh, where Reverend B. Herbert Martin, who's uh, still around, I I saw him uh, at a protest of of the Obama Presidential Center uh, uh, last year, Um, his uh, his, uh, progressive uh, Baptist church. And we walk in, and people come up to complain about, uh, African-Americans come up to complain about what they've perceived as racist uh, 
racist coverage or, or racially freighted coverage, and that I that I haven't uh, um, you know been fair to Harold and and these folks down there feeling I hadn't been fair to to Verdoliak mm-hmm. and to Bernie Epton, and um, you know it um, it it was a uh, it was quite a. And what would you say to them? Quite a ringer to go through. Well, I, actually, I would say to both sides. I said, so what's your complaint? Uh, to tell me specifically, because I, I, I respectfully disagree. And, and here was the thing that I was struck by. Um, they, they never cited something I had said. They didn't have a story. So they, they would cite something Walter Jacobson had said or done. Yeah. Or... Uh, or something that had been in the Tribune, but here I was. I was the media. Yeah, you know. And and uh, Reverend Jesse, uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson invited me down after Harold got elected. Uh, invited a bunch of people uh, to come to Operation Push for uh, their media watchdog committee. It was called something like that. And um, he said, Carol Marine and I were the only ones, were the only reporters who ever came. Um. And I came and probably for 90 minutes, people were screaming and they were upset. They were distraught and they were thoughtful. They, they had examples of stories that, that they cited. Some of them had clipped things out of the newspaper. Some of them had, had handwritten transcripts, you know, transcribed stories. Not a one had a story that I had done. And I, as, as I was just listening to, to the people vet, I realized at some point, I had become the white media, and I, I don't know when that happened, but I was, you know, I was the guy who was there. These other guys and gals who had done these stories weren't there. I was the guy that they could they could talk to or mm-hmm. shout at, <laughs> and yeah. um, and you know that. So at the end of it, people came up to me and said, "Geez, Flannery, you were thanks for coming." Yeah, I, I you know. That that probably wasn't fun for you, but uh, but thanks for coming. I said no. I learned a lot. I, I you know, and and one of the things that one of the enduring lessons is, and I don't know when it happened, but I became the, I was the incarnation of the media. Yeah, and um, and I had to reconcile myself to that. Well, uh, now you talked earlier about a point of view, and uh, in your position, you're you, as you said, you're you're viewed as the media. Uh, when you're in, in, in this 1983, you're the white media where you're uh, uh, in, on 48th Street. And when you're in the 10th Ward, you're like uh, the sellout the media. The fake news the sellout fa- yeah, media. Uh, yeah, yeah, before fake news was a thing. So um, I'm not going to ask you what your point of view is because I know you're going to tell me anyway. Uh, but do you have a point of view? And do you ever find yourself biting your tongue uh, to subvert it and keep it from coming out? I mean, I'll, uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, there's no secret here. I mean, I'm, I'm an, I, I was raised Irish Catholic and I had, I was up in Northeast Washington, uh, in an integrated neighborhood where I was raised, uh, went to integrated schools, uh, all, all the, all through my education. And, um, but I have, I was raised Irish Catholic, and I had the experience when I got to Chicago and it got to the South Side. I lived down in uh, Beverly. Um, I had the experience. Wow, there's more people here who grew up like I grew up than where I grew up. 
Um, Jewish people have described, uh, who who moved to Manhattan, moved to uh, parts of Brooklyn to say, uh, describe that experience. Many years ago, I dated a Jewish girl who grew up in Spearfish, South Dakota. (laughs) She got to New York to go to Barnard, and she said, wow, (laughs) this is my homeland. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And and I had kind of that experience. Yeah, uh, I've had a similar experience myself, but go ahead, yes. You know, so uh, it's a, um, so it's something I try to be aware of. And um, after doing this for a long time, it's it's easier than it was when I first started. What what's easier to then? be to be aware? Uh, because I think when you're when you're you know the atmosphere and the suppositions you're raised with feel invisible, or they, they they're not they're not easily summoned mm-hmm. up until you've been challenged by people on 48th Street or people on 113th Street, you know. Uh, and, and then you, you know, it's the occasion for some introspection and some self-reflection. Right. Well, I presume, and I hope I'm not making an unfair assumption, uh, that you, were, you're, you and your family were big fans of the Kennedys, John oh. F. Kennedy. Oh, my God. I had, I had his name. I'm right-handed, so I wrote his name on my left arm. And I remember pulling, I was the eldest of five, and I pulled three of my sisters in a wagon down to the Kennedy headquarters uh, on Rhode Island Avenue in D.C., the local the local headquarters, and we just filled up on on bumper stickers and signs. So that was my first presidential inauguration yeah. that I went to uh, was in 1960. My my dad was so excited about Kennedy's election. Uh, you know, he hoisted me on his shoulders, and it was bitterly cold, and there'd been seven inches of snow the night before. But yeah. Of course. And so I'll tell you, when Harold Washington got elected, yeah. um, I recognized that phenomenon. I said, I've been here. I've seen this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's always been easier for me in this respect, Mike. I worked for the Reader, uh, the alternative newspaper. They absolutely encouraged me to, to express my point of view. And so I've done that my whole career, but I realized that in mainstream journalism, that's not the norm. You're supposed to stifle it. You're supposed to keep it covered and hidden. Uh, and then you have the additional uh, situation, uh, and not just being you know, an Irish Catholic kid who was raised by Democrats, I presume, uh, trying to be fair to Republicans. Good luck with that. Uh, you work uh, for Fox, and there is um, local Fox and national Fox, and national Fox is, of course, completely affiliated in the public's mind with the Republican Party. So how do you deal with that situation? Well, I mean, I tell people I'm I'm in the part of Fox uh, where Chris Wallace is and Brett Baer. You know, I mean, Fox News Sunday comes on right after my show on Sunday morning. It's, it's first airs Friday night at 9.30 and then it rebroadcast 8.30 Sunday morning. And then Chris Wallace is up. Um, uh, you know, uh, Pete uh, Buttigieg is uh, going to be, I think, May... Yeah, he's going to be May on the 19th, town hall. Yeah. May 19th, he's doing a town hall, and the questioner is going to be uh, Chris Wallace. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, that's that's where I am. I'm not, you know, so Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, that's, they they do their own, they do their own very opinionated uh, show. Um, I try to go down the middle, more like, you know, like the Chris Wallace, the show. That's That's the role. And so... Has Rupert Murdoch ever called yeah. called me and said, Flannery? No, no, absolutely not. And, you know, I mean, we're, you know, we're Chicago based. We do, you know, we do ROM, we cover Pritzker. 
um, Toilet Gate. Um, <laughs> I'm obsessed with Toilet Gate. Before we get to Toilet Gate, we'll I'm looking at the clock because I know yeah. you got to get back to the station for the 5 o'clock news. Before we get to Toilet Gate, got to ask your thoughts. Rom's leaving office. Your sense of what his legacy is as mayor. Eight years of Mayor Rom. What's your sense of Rom's legacy? Look, he... Um you know, that that was a scathing piece that Neil Steinberg did in the Sun-Times today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it almost was, especially the RIP part and the funeral part, just sort of it was it was a little a little over the over the edge. But um, the um, he's good at that. He's good at going over the edge. Uh, Neil is. Um, look, Rom's accomplished. Uh, I think he has a lot of accomplishments, um, you know, a, as much as he and the teachers union have been at war and it's been. World War III, hasn't it? Um, There are many signs of improvement in the Chicago Public Schools uh, that Sean Reardon, the professor at Stanford, says that uh, in in that recent study um, over over five years, the Chicago kids he looked at uh, added six years worth of uh, school knowledge, better than 99% of of American school systems. Um, You know, a a whole bunch of indicators are, are approaching the national average. Not just uh, graduation rates, but college um, uh, admission, you know, college application, college admission, college persistence, um, you know. So uh, and and there's, you know, he's he's of course got that roll call of corporate headquarters and offices. Um, you know, it's not a city money that is largely building uh, these high rises that have popped up like mushrooms after a spring rain. You know, I mean, somebody's living in there. Somebody's moving in these places. And, and it's been uh, tens of billions of dollars that have been invested. Um, that uh, that river walk, you know, it was actually Richard J. Daly who was the first guy to talk about creating a river walk mm-hmm. that I heard in the in the 70s. And then Ira Bach was the planning director yeah. who, uh, you know, Ira's now gone. But, uh, but he laid out a vision for that. Mm-hmm. Rom delivered on yeah. it. Um, and, you know, uh, he's he's gotten billions from D.C. for the CTA. I mean, you know, I've I've uh, I was in New York not too long ago and the subway system there is a frickin nightmare. So so you uh, essentially think he has a positive impact in the city of Chicago. And yet he did not run for reelection largely uh, because most of his the polling suggested he was going to lose. How do you suggest? Sure. Because to know him is not to love. <laughs> You may be the only one who loves him, Mike Flannery. To know him is not to love him. Yeah. Um, and certainly I don't love him. Um, but I think you got to objectively look look at this. Now, you know, should should the uh, – was it inexcusable the way that the Laquan McDonald uh, incident was handled? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of people share the wearing of that jacket, uh, and, and not least being Anita Alvarez, uh, who only – uh, brought charges after the video, you know, got released. And um, Rahm only released the video after a, a circuit court judge forced him to do so. Right. Uh, she, Alvarez paid for it with her job, and now we're going to see how Kim Fox uh, survives as she goes for a second term, um, you know, whether she survives politically. Um, it, it, that's a tough, tough job. Now, wh- what are Rahm's failures? Um, the uh, the murder rate spiked up. Um you know, he, he can say that it's that it's down uh, compared to the the the, the 2016 spike. Um, but, 
it still remains, you know, far higher than in other towns. Uh, there are, uh, you know, at this legacy, this in, this deeply embedded segregation we have here. Um, but you know, he can he can properly Rom's right to say that uh, go to Milwaukee. <laughs> Go to Cleveland. Go to Indianapolis. Yeah, no, I know. The Um, bar's always lower. All right, now let me ask you, uh, uh, because I've got my eye on that clock, and I I don't want you to miss your news, Uh, Toilet Gate. Uh, putting Rom uh, in the rearview mirror for the moment, uh, not fast enough. But anyway, uh, moving on to our governor, Governor Pritzker. Um, oh, my God, I saw this coming in 2018, Mike, and uh, he was elected regardless of the controversy uh, over having uh, got a tax break or, uh, because there was no he had removed the toilet from his Gold Coast mansion. Well, American politics is usually a binary choice. I don't think people were, were maybe if they were angered by that, the alternative was... You're preaching to the choir on that, Bruce Rauner. All right. So, um, all right. What Do you think this is just a one-day... Uh, flare up or maybe, you know, just a minor flare up? Or do you think this will continue to haunt him uh, as he his uh, tenure unfolds? Well, if the feds, uh, you know, if the feds keep pursuing it, um, I, yes, I think it's, it's likely to dog him for quite a while. Uh, you know, the question is, look, the inspector general of Cook County uh, decided that the $331,000 tax break had been obtained through fraud. And, and, and the key piece was the um, falsifying, allegedly, of the uh, date when the toilets were removed. Now we can all make jokes and, um, <laughs> and, 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 and be outraged yeah. that uh, wealthy people get to knock down the taxes on a Gold Coast mansion by pulling the toilets, but that's apparently what the rules allow, mm-hmm. and they've been doing it for a long time. The piece that may may be a legal violation and maybe a crime is if the date was falsified. Mm-hmm. Now, JB didn't sign any of these documents, and we don't know even that he was directly involved. In fact, the evidence indicates that uh, he he may not have been directly involved. Uh, we're, there's some testimony that uh, the first lady, M.K. Pritzker, was involved in the project, but it was her brother, Thomas Munster, uh, the inspector general's report said, who uh, apparently signed at least some of these documents. Mm-hmm. Now, when we asked uh, Governor J.B. today um, about this, he said that neither he nor the first lady have been contacted by the feds, not by the prosecutors, at the U.S. Attorney's Office, not by the FBI. Question: Has your brother-in-law Thomas Munster been contacted? Well, you got to call the lawyers on that. Um, are you paying the legal fees for your brother-in-law and uh, for any others involved? Well, you're going to have to talk to the lawyers about that. <laughs> Were you asking those questions? Uh, I was not because it was a DNA news conference. Uh, it was about the DNA processing crime scene processing at the uh, Illinois State Police Crime Lab, which I've been. Uh, campaigning for for a year yeah so they're adding resources there instead of waiting up to 14 months to get crime scene dna back from from a rape or from a murder mm-hmm. um they now hope at some point that they'll they'll be able to turn it around in 60 to 90 days or even we'll switch to a new technology rapid dna and it'll uh, be available uh, maybe in 90 minutes um so that's what i was focused on but there were i, I, I knew other reporters are going to ask that <laughs> 
Bulldog stuff. All right, now before I let you go, I have to just one little point. Uh, you, when anybody you ever go on Mike Flannery's show, he cuts you off like after thirty seconds. <laughs> hey, what? Yes or no? He starts bellowing at you. <laughs> what do I say? I'm gonna have to. And or you go to the next guest. So you don't like. You know, you're tired of my answer. You go, if Marilyn. Hey, Marilyn, what do you think about that? that's Flannery style? So, do when. When you see them, I just think this is always my mind. When I go see a movie and the press come in, I just saw this in uh, First Man. I don't know if you saw First Man, a really good flick. It's about uh, Neil Armstrong, the first man to land on him. I, I recommend it. But anyway, it has the, one of those scenes with the press. It's the horde of the reporters. And, you know, I forget. I it. hate the media. The media? I know they look terrible in movies. <laughs> but I think of you, Flannery, when I see them. Yeah, yelling at <laughs> Do you see yourself in some of those scenes? I do. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, yeah, I can play it both ways, but, uh, you know, you're sometimes, uh, yeah, I get into the role and um, I play myself. Yeah. Yeah, you're playing yourself. I in a just movie. invest the character with all that energy and, uh, yeah, I want to know when you're going to answer the question. Yeah. Uh, when did you stop beating your wife? Yeah, that's always a tough one to answer. Anyway, uh, it's, I better let you get back to that news. Uh, you've been very uh, good. You stayed later than I thought you would. That's Mike Flannery, Channel 32. Uh, what, what, when's your show on again? Yeah, tell everybody Flannery fired up Friday nights 9.30 and uh, Sunday morning rebroadcast at 8.30 a.m. All right, that's Mike Flannery. I'm Ben Jarofsky. You're the best, Ben. Thank you, sir. I'll take that. See you all. See you tomorrow. Once again, catch Mike Flannery. Flannery fired up Friday nights 9.30 p.m. and replayed on Sundays at 8.30 a.m. on Fox 32 Chicago. Big thanks to Mike Flannery. Love to get him in again sometime. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.